Welcome to Birth Stories in Color, a podcast creating community for people of color to share and learn from birth stories of all types. I'm your host, Laurel Gurrier. Today's episode features Cecily Smith, one of the founders of Abide Women's Health Services. It exists to improve birth outcomes and communities with the lowest quality of care by offering health care and complementary services that are easily accessible, holistic, evidence-based, and free from judgment. So hello, Cecily. Welcome to the show. Hello, Laurel. Thank you so much for having <laughs> yes, me. Yes, yes. We are really excited to hear all about the work you guys are doing. Um and just sharing that with everyone. But before we get there, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I consider myself a reconciler, a peacemaker. And so (laughs) I like that. Yes. It's taken me a while to actually like fully be like, okay, that's what I am, a reconciler. So I'm very passionate about racial and maternal justice. And um, I often desire to see walls of oppression torn down and bridges built that actually work towards justice. And so I find myself in interesting uh, communities and conversations um, trying to build bridges, trying to find common ground so that we can be more effective um, in um, our fight for life overall, a fight for black women, black babies, all of that. And so- Without the support of my husband, (laughs) just keeping it real, I would not be able to do this work. He is just incredible. So yes, I'm married and um, we have three very unique children, Emmanuel, Sarai, and Ezra. They're seven, five, and three. So very young. Mm. (laughs) Mm. And um, up until just this past August, I was homeschooling them all as well. Wow. yeah, yeah. Do that. <laughs> They're in school, though. They're in school now. <laughs> yes. I had, my, I had my boys, actually, at home, and I had my daughter at a birth center. Okay. So I have some different experiences. But yes. Yeah, that's, okay. That's a little bit about me. So how did your birth work journey begin? I know for many of us, it's because of our children. Um, so how did that, that journey begin for you? Yeah, absolutely. So it was after the birth of my first child, my son. Um, it, honestly, the, the care that I received through my midwife mm-hmm. sparked that interest. I'm like, what is this? I mean, <laughs> I researched, I, I knew, you know, coming from a, a person that was told that we, we would never have children. Mm. Um, and we, we have three children now, yeah. but, that whole journey and then the experience that I had with my midwife, um, her name's Laura Coos, uh, with West Sound Birth Services, okay. but uh, giving her a little shout out, but, <laughs> but I was just really blown away by the experience that I had with her. And I remember one day asking her after I had my son, I'm like, I think like I want to get involved in birth work somehow. And she immediately was like, Cecily, you'd be a great birth worker. And it was several months later, she just called me up one day and said they had kind of referred someone to me. I should talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, we lived outside of Philly. This woman lived in Jersey and um, she may or may not call me. And um, at that moment, I was like, really? You think that'd be a great like, <laughs> <laughs> like Cecily, having a baby is half the battle. You got this. Mm-hmm. And that is what lit the fire in me to pursue becoming a doula. Yeah. And so that was the beginning. And then it has just 
gone and so it's amazing the direction that it's taken so far yeah yeah um i wanna and you know i'm always for you share what you what what you feel comfortable sharing but you did speak a little bit on being told that you wouldn't be able to have children um can we yeah we can go a little bit um (laughs) what was what was that experience like what how -hmm. did that go for you yeah so i've always like in my um in my 20s, had just weird cycles. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I woke up hemorrhaging and I immediately went to my OB and she put me on birth control. Okay. She didn't give me any reason as to why this was happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just put me on birth control. She's yeah. like, if you don't want this to happen again, let's try to regulate your cycles. And my husband and I, we ended up getting married and we wanted to get off birth control. Got off of that, was fine. Um, no hemorrhaging or anything, but my cycles weren't coming. Yeah. Like, I would have maybe two cycles a year for a couple of years and uh, very irregular. And we went through so much testing. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS. I had a blocked flu- fallopian tube. Wow. Um, sperm counts. Uh, there was just so many different factors. Yeah. And so at that moment, they told us that it was highly unlikely for us to ever have children, mm-hmm. like just, you know, naturally, the old school way, you know? Yeah. And um, at that point, we had finally just gotten at peace with that. And it was about six months later that I got pregnant. There is definitely like a spiritual component to this mm-hmm. with me. Like, I'm not going to go into all the details of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even like my prayer life changed, like the way that I viewed um even just being pregnant like mm-hmm. is this really my will like am I trying to hang on to something that I want yeah. I felt like um I felt like the Lord was like nope I want you to trust what I want for you mm-hmm. and it was like the moment that I just like let go of that you know <laughs> just yes. like just let yes. it go yes. it really started also praying that my body would start functioning the way you know that it should yeah you know? my cycle started coming regularly like after we got that diagnosis, my cycle came like the next month and it will come mm-hmm. every month. And you would have never seen, I don't know, like someone so excited <laughs> about, you <Okay>. know, <laughs> <Here. laughs> my girlfriends. Like, <laughs> and like, six months in, my cycle, you know, didn't come. And I just was like, ah, I have PCOS, no big deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just started craving things, craving pinto brain pinto beans from Taco Bueno. It was weird. Um, and it was my mom <laughs> and my sister that was like, I think you should take a test. And yeah. I had to take three. I, I took three and then I wanted a blood test because mm-hmm. I didn't believe any of it. And, you yeah. know, for so long, um, there was just so many hopes. Yep. Hoping that I was pregnant, you know, and um, so many disappointments. And I was. And so yeah. after two to two and a half years, you know, I have another child, so. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, for our listeners who don't know, what is, what is P, PCOS? Oh, yeah. So it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Um, but I'm really connecting with the piece you said about just that, that release of like when you finally were like, all right, this is what the journey may be. Yeah. And I'm going to stop fighting it. Uh-huh. Stop. Um, really just stop fighting it and just let it be and like go for the ride. And I think that speaks like also what sometimes in the birthing process, the hope, like the pregnancy, the parenthood process of really just like 
taking away all of our expectations and all the things we think are supposed mm-hmm. to go and just letting it be. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it was freeing. Yeah. It was freeing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're um, so you're into birth work. Yeah. You're, you're doing the birth work. Tell us a little bit about Abide. How did that start? Yeah. Where did that come from? What is, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how Abide began. Um, I like to go back to the, it was, I believe, October of 2016. I had put a Facebook post up that said, I wonder what it's like, what it would be like to have a birth center in the hood. And then I quickly let it go. I was like, you know, I'm homeschooling. I had a six, seven, eight month old. Um, I'm a doula, childbirth energy. I don't know anything about running a birth center <laughs> in the world. Like, so I just let it go. Yeah. But, um, what was interesting is that um, a couple of girlfriends of, um, of ours, my, myself and um, my partner in this, her name is Bethany Stricker. She's a licensed midwife, a certified professional midwife. And um, so a, a mutual friend introduced us to each other. You know, mm-hmm. they would kind of whisper to each other about us. Mm-hmm. And so um, Bethany sent me a message on the DM and Facebook. And uh, I can't remember exactly what she said, but I know there was to the extent, I, you know, I'm curious about South Dallas and birth center and just birthing, you know, yeah. and my jaw dropped to the ground. I'm like, wait a minute, what is going on here? <laughs> like, you know, this midwife is reaching out to me to have a discussion with me about this. And so what happened is we got together, met for the first time and we clicked. We, we just clicked. Um, I I really have a tremendous amount of respect for Bethany because she takes her time. Um, and just so you know, Bethany is a white woman. She really took her time, um, to listen to black women, Mm -hmm. listen to black birth workers, hear stories. Um, it, to try to also figure out where where she fits, mm. you know, in addressing the disparities that are out there, and it was through our communication where we're like, we neither one of us really knew um, the specifics of the um, disparities in South Dallas, which is where we serve. Mm-hmm. But it was through our conversation um, that um, caused us to dig deeper. And so that's when we became really aware that the disparities were so horrible and we needed to do something about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just from the moment we first talked, we really haven't stopped talking and our relationship has just grown and grown. And um, we took this idea in our head and saw that no one in our community was really doing it, what we're planning on doing. Yeah. And we said, we need to implement this, like we need to do this. And so... That's how it started. And now it's just, it's actually taking off so fast. It's our heads are spinning. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually how it happens too. It's like, oh, I've got this idea. And then, oh, wait. Wait, wait, hold on. But but wait. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, I think when we, when we talk about allies in this work, everyone's like, how can I help? But I think something that's really important is, you know, where do I actually fit in instead of just inserting myself? Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> that's that's the important piece right there. Oh, you need to quote that, Laurel. More <laughs> <laughs> quote. I love it. Yes. You know, like tweetable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a quote. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it is. It is. It's so, you know, that would just make things so much easier if that was a perspective that allies took. Um, and would be so much more helpful right. if that was the perspective that, that allies took. Um, and I, you know, I respect that from her um, mm-hmm. for doing that. Um, and I think that also speaks volumes to how fast and how great things are going for you because of that. Right. Um, and being able to really work together to create that. So that's how it all started. What are you guys doing now? What are things, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing that I like to uh, point out about Bethany is that she she stepped out of the ally position and she's now an accomplice. Like she's 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 doing the work. Like it's it's evident, Um, and it's and it's quite beautiful. The interesting thing about our uh, dynamic is I I started off like I said as a doula, Mm -hmm. but now as I sit as we're both co founders of the organization, so I sit as executive director and she is the practitioner. So Mm -hmm. she's the one. Um, that is hands-on with women, hands-on um, with other student midwives. Mm-hmm. So we had our first Abide Baby in December. Um, we just had our fourth, I believe. <laughs> um, and these, right now, these have, they happen to all be out-of-hospital births mm-hmm. right now. Um, but our hope and our goal really is to open our easy access clinic, which will be our free clinic in South Dallas. Okay. So this is, it's a big undertaking, yeah. this, which is the reason why we're doing all the fundraising and everything so that we can get that portion set up. But it's partnering with doulas, partnering with childbirth educators, um, contracting out services. And part of the core of what we're doing with the bike, excuse me, that makes us set apart from other um, clinics, OB-GYN offices, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily that the practitioner is a midwife. It's that we take um, this concept of, not concept, but we take cultural humility, cultural um, competency training, um, uh, implicit bias training very serious. Yes. Um, It's embedded into the fabric of our organization. And so the the hope is that we have ongoing trainings um, happening with all of our volunteers, with all of our employees, and we're really addressing these um, and getting to the root of the the issues you know if we have people that have hands-on um contact with our clients that are more um that approach various cultures with a tremendous amount of humility yes um, and are aware of their biases that right there is a game changer like that is what helps save people's lives because it's it's that unconscious bias that kills people right (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. Yes. <laughs> so, that's reality. So, I mean, it seems so, so simple, you know, I mean, honestly, we're implementing, um, what we're doing, we're, um, with everything that we learned from Jenny Joseph, like mm. Jenny Joseph is kind of who is, who we're modeling our efforts from what yeah. she's doing in Florida is working. Mm-hmm. And if only OBs and, um, all various um, clinics could just implement that model. Like we would really see a, a tremendous change. But um, as far as like what we're doing right now, we offer childbirth education. 
We offer, like I said, doula services, postpartum doula services. Okay. Um, these are all contracts. We contract these services out. Um, we're trying to build our staff right now um, so that we can open the clinic. Yeah. So that's, um, that's the, the main thing that we have going on right now. Got it. Got it. So what does, um, I guess you might've hit it on this a little bit, but I'm going to ask it like specifically just yeah. to make sure. what support does the organization provide to families currently? And then what will that look like when you do have the, the clinic? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So currently we are offering prenatal, prenatal care. Okay. So, and it's by referral because our space isn't open yet. So we offer it by referral basis or a case by case basis, mm-hmm. depending, on, depending upon the need. So that's what we're offering. And we're offering, um, you know, just prenatal care. So, and also if a woman sees us throughout her pregnancy and she wants to give birth in a hospital, that has happened recently. Mm-hmm. So we're offering that all offering that all around. We're also offering resources, material resources for for women. Um, we're working on um, our hope this year is to hire a client resource specialist. Okay, and this is a key role in our organization where um, this position will um, really uh, reach out to all organizations, whether that's an organization dealing with domestic violence, um, hunger, homelessness, you name it. Yeah. Any, any organization, um, a resource that a woman may need, um, during her pregnancy, um, that places her at risk, you know, yeah, that's what we want to offer within our organization. And so even right now we are accepting donations for, um, maternity wear, um, breastfeeding supplies, baby clothes. Like we have a ton of resources for women, material goods and actual practical um, resources. So yeah. And I'm trying to think of, um, I'd like to tell you a little bit about the goals. Yeah. Yeah. Please. The goals that we have is, yeah. I don't know, just to give you a bit of history about South Dallas, South Dallas has the highest infant mortality rate, low birth weight, baby, preterm birth, um, teen pregnancy, Teen pregnancy, the national average, I believe, is 27 out of 1,000 births. So in South Dallas, it's 80 to 120 out of 1,000 mm. births just in our area, like okay. just in our South Dallas area. And so um, we know that we are, we're fully aware that oftentimes, especially teen pregnancy, there's shame involved mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. and so that that it con- is a contributor to preterm lower yep. birth baby, not yep. eating. And then of course we live in a, we, um, and we actually do live in our community that we serve. Awesome. Uh, uh, there's a areas within our community that are food deserts. Um, the one thing, um, about abide is that although we're serving South Dallas, which is a highly impoverished community, mm-hmm. uh, we're serving women from North Dallas, Southern sector of Dallas, like all over. Okay. And, um, and so I want to kind of break that down because oftentimes when, not often, but sometimes people think that we're just serving South Dallas, we're just serving an impoverished community, mm-hmm. and they kind of, they may get it twisted in regards to infant maternal mortality, thinking it's a poverty issue, mm-hmm. and I have to constantly make it clear that no, <laughs> no that is, yep. you know, we're dealing with systemic issues here, Yep. 
you know, that we that must be addressed on the um, the micro the micro level, mm-hmm. you know. And then, of course, we have women. We serve women who, you know, are making six figures. You know that. <laughs> that yep making a good living who want culturally competent, culturally humble care. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, me as a doula, you know, in the past I've had women reach out to me simply because they, they know they need the support because they're afraid they're going to die. Like they're afraid they're going to die in the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And so they want support. And so that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to, eliminate the disparities and address the disparities and also um, treat women, all women, but we center black women mm-hmm. with the care that they absolutely deserve. Yep. You know, um, part of the hope in having our clinic here in South Dallas is that um, I don't know if the listeners know this, but only 35% of women in Dallas County actually go to a prenatal appointment in the first trimester. And so we're trying to remove the barriers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There are just too many barriers, whether that's lack of access, you know, not knowing how to apply for Medicaid, being just afraid to go to an OB, Mm -hmm. you know, to make an appointment because Mm -hmm. your name is a certain you have a certain name, you yep. know, you yep. Away. Yep. like all of those things yes. are, are, are issues. And so we're like, you know, if we could provide care to any woman who needs, who needs support um, and remove that barrier and provide consistent prenatal care, regardless of where she chooses to give birth, mm-hmm. then we can set her up for success when she goes to the emergency room. Right. To give birth. Right. She have her card on her saying that she does her, she does have a history. She yep. has been seeing people. Yep. Yeah, we just want to reduce infant um, mortality. We want to um, improve breastfeeding rates. Mm-hmm. Um, just we want to do everything. We want to improve the, the disparities that exist in South Dallas and beyond. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think you know we when we. I just remember like when I first got pregnant, like going into an office and being like, you're at risk for all of these things just because you're an African American. Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, now like being a doula and now, you know, really diving into this work and thinking about reproductive justice and lifting Mm -hmm. back the layers and thinking about, no, it's the system. It's the system. Right. (laughs) Right. It's not me. Uh (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It is the system that has caused these barriers and this lack of support and lack of resources for me to be able to navigate my pregnancy and my birth. Right. It's nothing to do with me. Exactly. It's the system. Mm and. You know, I think people who aren't really in the reproductive justice network are really like thinking about that, don't understand that. Yeah. Um, and so it's great. Like when you do have places like Abide and services like Abide who can, you know, give people the, an experience of care in the beginning that is culturally um, focused on cultural humility and understanding that, but also being able to break down those barriers. So like you said, someone can walk into a hospital, like, no, I know what my care should be like. <laughs> so I'm going to need y'all to step in line. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Because at Abide, this is was X, Y, and Z. And I know that you can offer that. So being right. able to come in like with tools and with their own advocacy, you know, um, abilities to be able to do that or having someone who can, who can do that for them. It's just, it's really important. Um, it makes a difference. It does. I said some, I was on a panel in December and I had said, um, as long as whiteness is the standard, black women will continue to die. And all the snaps. Tweet that. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the reality that we're yeah. facing that a lot of people don't want to admit. Um, right. And if we can just get beyond, you know, get out of the bubble that we've been in, get out of the mm-hmm. fishbowl mm-hmm. that we've been living in called whiteness. Yep. And really understand that black women, black families, black men have been othered. And it is the system that th- that perpetuates, you know, the, the stereotypes, the ways that people view black women, not listening to black women. Yep. Um, we have to actively work against that. Yep. We do. Yep. And I mean, it's just, we, we have to, and what's interesting though, is that that's the, that's what I love about reproductive justice organizations is that that's what reproductive justice organizations have been screaming for years, for years, years. <laughs> you know, but I, I think in order for actual change to happen, we need our white brothers and sisters to um, really understand what it means to be an ally and then move from being a comfortable ally to an accomplice and get uncomfortable. Right. Right. That's so true. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you can't, you can't stay in that ally position forever. Like that's just the beginning. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You have to make that shift. um, Definitely. And I think, you know, I'm, I say this like to all the people talking. About, I'm they, reproductive justice organizations have been screaming this forever. I'm just mad. I'm so late to the <laughs> to the part. I mean, I'm glad I'm here now, but I'm like, dang. <laughs> yes, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I tell you, when you leave a sunken place and you like, <laughs> man, like what? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Wake up to the to what's really going down. And, you know, that's what's interesting, kind of going back to how I even began and um, stepped into birth work. It's like, I, I became a doula because I just wanted, you know, I, I wanted to go to home births and do the hippie. Yep. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. And little did we know. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I owe that to Jenny Joseph. Like, she really opened my eyes to the disparities. And that's mm-hmm. what lit a fire in me and ch- um, just shifted the way that I view just life, yeah. period. How yeah. I support of Black women. You know, it's, there's just so much, there's so much work to be done. Yes. And, and I think, too, so much work would be done if we began really listening, like taking a seat and, and really listening. And I am really commend you and Danielle for, um, for what you're doing with Birth Stories in Color. Like Thank you. we need this, like not only do black women need to hear these stories, but other people need to mm-hmm. hear these stories, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yes. So this is, this is a much needed, um, forum so I just applaud you thank for all you work you're doing. thank you we have we have learned so much from doing this um so thank you 
Um, you talked a little bit about like you have volunteers and you, and you are building your staff, but what are ways that the community can get involved, um, with the work of abide? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we need volunteers, whether that's doulas, um, postpartum doulas, but you don't have to be a, a doula or postpartum doula. Like I really, um, believe that, you know, back in the day we didn't have doulas. We support each other. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Like, auntie. Yeah. Exactly. Can you come, like, over? come <laughs> over? You know? Uh, so, Local, I, I think local community centers or even, and even churches, like mm-hmm. a good way to support our moms is by offering like meal trains, um, mothers, mm-hmm. other mothers who are experienced in pant- parenting coming to support yeah. our moms who may not have the, the support that they need. Um, we, we love to put together like birth kits and also postpartum kits. Okay. And, you know, having a gathering with a group of ladies or a team to put together postpartum kits to pamper moms after birth. Uh, what is the, the 45 days, 60 days after, mm-hmm. after birth is like, that's the most dangerous yep. time um, postpartum wise. And I don't think in our country we take that seriously at all. You know? And so Mm-mm. moms are having their babies and then getting back to work, you know, and taking care of all the other children yep. and the others. And so we really need to band behind moms postpartum wise and relieving that burden. And even during, even during pregnancy, I would say once we open up our space, we'll need peer support. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the beautiful thing about um, the clinic is that no matter your economic status, if you show up at our clinic, you're going to be seen by a practitioner yeah you will always be welcomed with um, a receptionist who will eventually get to know our clients names yeah um and then in the waiting room will be a classes going on and even peer support so we'll have peer support childbirth educators um that will be there to help moms if they have questions and whatnot yeah there's learning opportunity throughout the duration of the process within our clinic Okay. And so, I love that. um, that's something that I really, yeah, I just, I, I love, love that. It. <laughs> I love you're not that. A number. No. It, and you're not just sitting in the waiting room, like, okay, call me back. Room. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause there are, there's so many things you're thinking about when you're in the waiting room that having someone to begin that engagement of, right. how are you feeling? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm dealing with some heartburn. Okay. Well, let me give you some little um, remedies that could poss- possibly yeah. help you with that. Yeah. You know, or, oh, have you been eating small meals throughout the day? Are you eating larger meals? Like some of the questions that they would eventually ask the practitioner, they can get answered in the waiting room. Right. Which yeah. allows more time with the practitioner some for the not bigger things, but uh-huh. to divulge more into what's going on. More time for like talking and. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, we also, I mean, we could use, um, interns, we could use interns when it comes to administrative support. Um, right now it really is me and Bethany. And so we need, uh, like, <laughs> y'all are listening <laughs> and on over to abide today. Yes, yes. 
administrative support, any kind of, I mean, I've had people, I've had chiropractors um, that desire to um, volunteer. There's, there's, so we can use volunteers um, pretty much in any, in any way. We plan to have our volunteer um, application up on our website relatively soon. I would say in the next two weeks, we should have that up. Um, Social media, helping with people to help with social media. Um, and also hosting, hosting small gatherings where we can come and talk and educate yeah. others on this disparity, um, recurring donations is what we need because we are a charitable organization, 501c3. Um, so we're dependent upon, we're, we're dependent upon individual donors Yeah, and some grants of course, but yeah. Okay. Perfect. So you said this a little bit, but how can people reach you all, get information on what's like coming up next or um, how can they just get connected? Absolutely. So um, you can go to our website at abidewomen.org. You can follow us on Instagram and a little bit on Twitter at abide underscore women. Okay. Um, You can email us at info at abidewomen.org. And, um, you can also find us on the perinatal task force website. Uh, okay. we are a perinatal safe spot. Awesome. Um, and if, if anyone, you know, we're considered a maternal toxic community. And what that means is that, um, it's not a safe place for women to be pregnant. And so we have that. Our next event will be a Q and a with Bethany and I. Okay. On March 9th, Saturday, March 9th in Dallas. Texas, um, 2612 MLK Boulevard. Um, this is a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know if the listeners know that there are only two cities in the U S where there's an MLK and Malcolm X intersection and it's in Dallas and Harlem. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty tight. And so our space is going to be located on MLK. Ah, cool. So yeah, just, yeah. That's how you can reach us. Okay. And I will make sure everyone that that is in the show notes so that you can have like direct links to all of that. But is there anything else you want to share with listeners, resources, advice, anything else from Abide or your own experience? This journey has been beautiful and it's beautiful. Um, the, a couple of things that I've learned through this journey is really being open to hearing other people's perspectives and views. And um I think that if we start looking at the end goal, the end goal is to reduce disparities and the end goal is life giving. It's, mm-hmm. it's life giving. That's the end goal. Yep. So I think that I want to encourage the, the listeners to have uncomfortable conversations with people that have various perspectives with the intention of not, um, listening to respond, but listening to understand. If we can learn to understand each other, we can then start to see progress. And the one thing that I um, absolutely adore about Bethany and I, our relationship is we're a, um, I believe, a physical representation of racial conciliation. Mm. Um, we live in a world right now where the tension is so hard. <laughs> it's, it's so intense. But, I'm, th- but there's hope. Yep. There's hope. So, yeah. That's all I got for yes. you. That was perfect. <laughs> that was... Yeah. <laughs> Laura, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, 
whenever I get out to, to Dallas, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> I'm coming by. You are but <laughs> thank you. Are you. Um, you are. We um we need your support. Yes. We need We're here for it. Support. Yes. So thank you. This has been great. Um I will definitely put in everything they need to know in the show notes. Okay. Um, if you are in the Dallas area, please find them, connect with them. If you are not, find a way to connect. There's plenty of ways to do that. But thank Don't you again it. so much. Yes. Okay, because let's be honest. <laughs> okay. We need that money. We need the money. <laughs> okay. Yes. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, but thank you again, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You do the same. Thank you. Tell Bethany we said hi. I will. <laughs> thank you. All right. <laughs> Talk to you Bye. later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Birth Stories in Color. To hear this show and other episodes, head to birthstoriesincolor.com.